0: well it's been a while between recordings or podcasts so i can't expect you to remember where we left off but i do expect you to remember what book we were reading i do however have it marked in my copy where we left off i noted it And so I'll pick up where we left off. Teresa de Avila says, So I will say no more about this now, except that it is very important for you to consult people of experience, for otherwise you will imagine that you're doing yourselves great harm by pursuing your necessary occupations. But provided we do not abandon our prayer, the Lord will turn everything we do to our prophet, even though we may find no one to teach us. I'm sure you remember. And if you don't, I'll tell you anyway. You remember when I wanted to, well, you weren't, a lot of you weren't here. But I wanted to go to a seminary, another seminary, you know, another ministerial school to learn how to be, so bizarre, to learn how to be a Christian. And I had the application and I was filling it out and I heard loud and clear, no, you're not going to do that. You're not going to go be taught by these people. I will be your teacher. I believed it. I took the paper, crumpled it up, threw it in the trash, I said great. Oh well, now what do I do? And the same voice, I guess you call it a voice, like what is a voice? What is your voice? It's not the sound. Your voice is your heart, your mind expressing. So when I say a voice, I mean the expression of what I consider to be my guide spiritually. That's as close as I can come because it's not an audible voice. And yet it is audible, but not with your ears. It's very bizarre. You have a voice in your head that tells you when you're wrong if you listen to that voice it gets stronger if you don't listen to that voice it gets weaker quieter and eventually it will go away that's a tragedy when people's conscience is seared as with a hot iron In other words, when they stop listening to that voice, they sear it off. They just turn it into scar tissue. It can't break through anymore. And that's a tragedy for human beings because that's like being out in the middle of the ocean in a boat and throwing your compass overboard. That's just a dumb thing to do. And throwing your sextant overboard. Throwing all your navigation tools overboard. Well, I don't need them anymore. I know everything. It's a mistake. And it's a mistake that leads to your demise. Anyway... The voice then was like, call so-and-so. And And -and so-and-so was someone I'd met at a Rotary Club meeting. And I was impressed by the man. So I called him. I thought, well, how am I going to call him? I I could remember his name, obviously. So I looked him up in the phone book. Sure enough, there he was in the phone book. So I just called, told him who I was and the situation. And he was very, he was like, well, (laughs) he wanted to get together for lunch. And so we had lunch and blah, 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 blah. He acted as a a kind of a, a stabilizing influence while I was wobbling along trying to find my way. He acted as a stabilizing influence. But then there was a time when it was time to get on with it without his prejudices. Because everybody has prejudices. And you've got to be careful that you chew the fish and spit out the bones. And you've got to be especially careful because what we consider bones aren't always bones. It's just tough fish. <laughs> you got to chew it. So we parted ways. I haven't seen him in years, but I still love him devotedly. And I will be ever grateful for what relationship we had and what came out of that relationship. It happens that we hear from God if we can. And if we have faith, we first believe that it is a higher power. It is there's something beyond us that simply knows more than us that is outside of time, and so therefore is not restricted by time as we are. Time restricts you in a sequential way. You have to go from point A to point B in time, or from one point to another. Sequentially, one thing happens, and then another thing happens, and another thing happens, and another thing happens. We can't see it all at once. We can't see tomorrow. But outside of time, tomorrow is obvious, because there is no tomorrow outside of time. There is just what's so. Difficult concept for human beings, but it's not impossible. It's important for you to consult people of experience. For otherwise, you will imagine that you are doing yourselves great harm by pursuing your necessary occupations. But provided we do not abandon our prayer, the Lord will turn everything we do to our profit, even though we may find no one to teach us. There is no remedy for this evil of which we have been speaking, except to start again at the beginning. Otherwise, the soul will keep on losing a little more every day. See, this is the, uh, the whole idea that goes against the grain of society, that goes against the grain of the world religion, the world religion being science. It's a false religion, and it has captured the imagination of the majority of the people on the planet, because the majority of the people on the planet are ignorant. And it's not a crime to be ignorant. The crime is staying ignorant. There's nothing wrong with being ignorant. Ignorance is where you have to start in order to educate yourself. Ignorance is where you have to start because unless you know that you don't know, you won't find out. You will not seek. Seek and you shall find, knock and shall be opened unto you. Ask and you shall receive is the principle that God has laid down for us. In ignorance, you don't ask because you imagine that you already know or that there's nothing to know. And when you find yourself ignorant, you can do something about it. You can ask, you can knock these are things that you can do it takes willpower It doesn't just happen it takes will you have to want to improve you have to want to know the truth she goes on to say the soul will keep on losing a little more every day it's a descending octave if you don't continue to educate yourself you become complacent and then you start to slide back What do you mean, slide back? How can you slide back? If you knew something, you always know it. No, 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 no. How many things do you forget? I say to you, well, you remember it, and you go, oh, yeah, but I can't remember what it is, you know, and you're you're stuck because it takes more than hearing it. It takes more than remembering it. You must understand it. It must get into you, and it must find a place in you where it can grow, where it can be strengthened. This is what she's talking about, in my opinion, She said, please, God, that it may come to realize this, meaning the soul. She wants the soul to come to realize something. Realizing something is not the same thing as hearing it. That's why Jesus said, don't be just a hearer of the word. Be a doer of the word. You must do it. You must put it into action. Because until you put it into action, it's theory. And theory is what science is. Science is theory, it's hypothesis. It's the exploration of the unknown by means of empirical evidence. And it's imperfect because there are some things that cannot be known empirically. They must be known spiritually, spiritual things. Some of you might suppose that if it is such a bad thing to turn back, it would have been better never to have begun. I have said this. I've said this, I think you'll remember, I've I've talked about some of the prayers that we pray and how dangerous they are. We pray dangerous prayers here. We pray that God will do with us as he sees fit. (laughs) Well, I can assure you what he sees fit and what you see fit are not always going to be in agreement. In fact, they may hardly ever be in agreement. And this is where we have to exercise our will It's kinda like going to the dentist. You know he's gonna cause pain in your mouth, in your head, with your teeth. We know you're not gonna like it. We know you're not gonna enjoy the sound of the drill. We know you're not gonna enjoy the smell of the tooth as it burns under the drill. You know you know you're not gonna like that. But you grab hold of the arms of the dental chair and you hang on, don't you? And it's just like you get a death grip on that chair. It's like okay, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna get through this. Sometimes that's what it takes. Is that bravery? Well, if you do it enough, it can turn into courage. Yes. If you do it enough, you can end up being courageous about it. Are we really afraid of going to the dentist? Yes, we're afraid of the pain. We do not want the pain. We do not want the pain. Pain and pleasure, we'd rather have pleasure. We'll take pleasure over pain every time. That's a natural thing for the organism. It's like survival. The organism can be tricked with pleasure. For example, heroin, opiates, it can be tricked. The organism can be tricked into thinking that this is a good thing. Then the addiction sets in, then all the other stuff sets in, and we've lost ourselves. The organism can be tricked. This is why we have something other than just the organism to guide us. (laughs) That's your intellect, and above that, Your soul, your spirit, whatever that is. And there's all kinds of definitions of spirit. One of them is the mind. Your mind is your spirit. Maybe, I don't know, but what's worse is I don't care. I don't care because I don't think it's important what it is. I think what's important is that you know that it is and that you rely on it and that you learn to communicate with it. You learn to listen to that voice inside of you, that voice of what's right. Some people call that conscience. Fine, there are two consciences. One is the conscience built into us by the world and the other one is the conscience given to us by God. He puts his law in our inward parts. That's our conscience. That's right conscience. Then we have the other conscience, which comes from the world. And that is flawed and often wrong. So we have to learn to identify right conscience and then we have to learn to listen to it and then we have to learn to do what it says that's a lot that's really a lot to do and that's why so many people don't do it it's just too much there's got to be an easier softer way that's how people look at it There's got to be an easier softer way it's just it can't can't be like this can't all be hard like this if it's such a bad thing to turn back, it would have been better to never have begun. And I, like I said, I've said this because there are things... Look, stop and think about this. Because if you take this step, turning back is really going to be a problem. And going forward is going to be a problem. And staying in the same place is going to be a problem. You can't stay in the same place. You can turn back, but it's really going to be a problem. And you can go forward. And it's still going to be a challenge. So in a sense, we're stuck between a hard place and a rock. That's not comfortable for us. We don't like that. But for some reason, God does like that. Because it's the same thing as uh, the baby over here. What's his name? Yeah, whatever. He has to be trained. He has to be trained. We hate the word training when we're thinking about kids. We've come to a place in our society where we're so insane that we think training is bad. It's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. They have to be trained. They have to be potty Potty trained nobody wants the mess nobody wants to deal with that where a 30 year old you know still soils himself it's socially unacceptable hygienically unacceptable it's just unacceptable so we train them not to do that we train them out of that and there's so many more things than just potty training that they have to be trained to so this morning i call him to come over he's six months old Just now beginning to crawl. Just now beginning to learn how to crawl. And he's not very good at it. He can sit up. He's not very good at it. But he's getting better. You can see his balance. You can see, you know, how it's just funny to watch. And it's dear at the same time. Because we know that he's struggling with the world around him. He's trying to make his hands and his legs that he doesn't, he's not sure they're his yet. He's trying to make them do things that they just won't do. He has not connected his brain and his arms and legs yet to the degree that he can control them it's understandable so he needs to be trained and you give him opportunities so I call him and I encourage him and and sure enough he crawled across from Lori he crawled across the floor and came over to me and I praised him and I said good boy you're doing great you know all the things that make him smile It's not what you say, it's how you say it. Of course, being me, I call him names. Come on, you little dummy, you can do it. Come on, yay, good boy, you little stupid. Like, now he's over there, he hears me, he's over there smiling, and now he's gonna come over here. See, it's just because. Look, there's somebody willing to teach me. Look, there's somebody willing to encourage me. There's somebody willing to understand me, to understand that, yes, I wanna get there, I just don't know how. And as you encourage him and praise him, that draws him along. It pulls him along, and that's the way we are. Obviously, that's the way the Lord is with us. He's training us. And people, of course, once you develop pride, once you have found a reason to be proud, it's so difficult to break it. He doesn't have as much pride as we do. He hasn't had the opportunity to develop pride. He has pride. Of course, because he's alive. It's called the pride of life. But he hasn't developed it the way we've developed it. We have developed it. He won't sit in front of a mirror and primp. We will. He doesn't care what you put on him. We do. We care what we're wearing. We care what we look like. All of those things have to do with pride. We develop it. Some of it is good. Some of it is not so good. The sum of it that's good is we take some pride in our appearance. In other words, we bathe. We brush our teeth, we comb our hair, we look presentable. In other words, we don't look like wild men because it's not appropriate in a society. Civically, it's not appropriate. We're concerned about our neighbor. We love our neighbor as ourselves, so we're concerned about our neighbor. So taking care of yourself is taking care of your neighbor, if you're doing it that way. It's interesting. She says... It would have been better never to have begun, but to have remained outside the castle. I told you, however, at the outset. And the Lord himself says this, that he who goes into danger shall perish in it, and that the door by which we can enter this castle is prayer. It is absurd to think that we can enter heaven without first entering our own souls, without getting to know ourselves and reflecting upon the wretchedness of our nature. See, there is a problem reflecting upon the wretchedness of our our nature and what we owe to God and continually imploring his mercy. You have got to at least make a huge attempt to abolish pride, to be able to do that. Pride and that realization of the wretchedness of our nature. With less pride, it's easier to realize the wretchedness of our nature. Without pride or with less pride, it's easier for us to see what we owe to God. It's easier for us to implore his mercy. You can see that pride, I can do it myself. I don't need your help. I can do it myself. Back off. That's pride. That's all that is. That's pride. You're not educatable. You're not open to being educated when you're proud. It's only when you begin to realize your wretchedness, your ignorance, your lack, that you begin to be open to the idea of being educated, of learning, of being trained in the way. What way? The way of goodness, the way of virtue, the way of the cross. Oh, but I hate the cross. Oh, I don't want to carry the cross. Oh no. What are they gonna do to me on the cross after they get me to the top of the hill? (laughs) Well, they're gonna crucify you. The purpose of the cross is to kill you. To kill what? To kill the wretchedness of our nature and to replace it with the virtue, the beauty, the light, the love, the wisdom that is God. That's what it's about. That's all that it's about. Everything else is secondary we're worse tertiary we're worse this is the important thing because this is when you build your house on a strong foundation on a rock instead of sand this is harder the rock is harder than sand a lot harder and we would rather have the sand because the sand isn't going to bruise us the sand isn't going to harm us the sand isn't going to hurt us the sand isn't going to be hard you know the worst it can get is hot but the rock well that's kind of unforgiving you know You stub your toe in sand, it's no big deal. You stub your toe on a rock, it can really be painful. Can it, Rex? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely more comfortable. The rock doesn't yield to you. See, the truth doesn't yield to you. This is the thing that is so annoying about the truth. It will not yield to your wants and pleasures. It is what it is. And you have to form yourself to it. And pride doesn't like that. So pride is a problem with people. The Lord himself says, no one will ascend to my father, but by me. I'm not sure if those are the exact words, but I think they are. That's what she says. (laughs) Bless her heart. And he that sees me sees my father. Well, if we never look at him or think of what we owe him and of the death which he suffered for our sakes, I do not see how we can get to know him or do good works in his service. Stands to reason. If you can't see something, if you can't know something, if you can't acknowledge something, then what good is it to you? Well, I'll tell you what good it is to you. It's the salvation of your soul. It's the salvation of your life. It is what keeps you from being an animal, what lifts you up out of your instinctive animal self. It's what lifts you out of your reptilian and mammalian nature and can lead you to something better, something more profound, something more sublime, something beautiful. Isn't it funny how you see, you know, there's things that go around every once in a while. You'll see a leopard raising a little chimpanzee. It ate its mother. But for some reason, you know, it's raising, it's taking care of the young one. And we think, well, it's just taking care of it so it can eat it later. (laughs) Well, maybe. It depends on your point of view. Or perhaps it instinctively protects something incapable of protecting itself. It instinctively cares for its young. It instinctively cares for the young of others from time to time. Not always, but it can happen. We love that. And when we see it, you see a leopard cradling a little baby chimpanzee and it's beautiful. See, that's beauty, isn't it? It's beautiful. What is beautiful? What does it mean it's beautiful? This is a beautiful act. It is an act of goodness. It is an act of charity, it's an act of love and it's beautiful. What benefit is it to the leopard? It's kind of a bother. Let's face it, kids are a bother. I'm sorry that I have to tell you the truth. I'm sorry that the Karens are all gonna go, (gasps) oh, my God, why did he say that? Because it's true. Oh, screw the truth. I just want things to be nice the way I want them to be. Well, that's just not how the world works. Kids are a pain. They have to be fed. They have to be carried around. They have to be changed. They have to be washed. I mean, they're a pain. They have to be listened to. And let's face it, nobody always wants to do that. Yeah, much better things to do, like take a nap or sleep at night instead of get up every 20 minutes or two hours to do something with this kid. We do it because it's in our nature to do it. And there is a good part of our nature and a not so good part of our nature. The instinctive part of our nature, that is the part that wants to take care of these children. Why do you want to take care of them? I don't know. Why do women want to nurture children? I don't know. They just do. It's just in their nature. Why do men want to discipline and train them? They want to love them too. But the first thing they have to do is train them and discipline them. Because they're unlovable. They're little savages until they're disciplined and trained. And a man knows this. And a man is supposed to have a man and a woman raise a child. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it was meant to be. That's the way God wants it to be. And that's what works best. Isn't that interesting? That's what works best. Well, who knew? God knew. And wise people knew. And wise people still know today. It's just there are fewer and fewer wise people on the planet. There are more and more idiots on the planet. This is called a descending octave. This is what happens when you go back. When you decided this is too hard. How does she put it? If it is such a bad thing to turn back, it would have been better never to have begun, but to have remained outside the castle. And that's the way it looks when we're challenged. When we're challenged and it doesn't just go smoothly like we expected it to, then we go, screw this, this isn't worth it. Well, how do you know? You're basing it on your feelings right now that this is unpleasant, that this is painful, uncomfortable. And we want right now, pleasure, comfort, This is such a primitive way to live your life. It's primitive. You're no different than a dog. So the difference is you have the ability to speak and you have the ability to reason. You can use logos, the creative power of the universe. You can use that. You can communicate with another human being with speech. We don't do it very often, but we can. It's there what we have found instead of communicating with speech. Why is it that I'm an annoying person. Rex said it last night we were talking about it. And he said, well, you speak your mind. You've always, ever since I've known you, you've always spoken your mind. You don't hold back. You say what's on your mind. I don't know if he thinks that's a good thing or a bad thing. I imagine he still hears so he must think it's a good thing. But I know that a lot of people don't think it's a good thing. I think our example was someone who was telling us they They said something to somebody who said, did you say that to them? They said, no, I said this. And it was radically different from what they had said. So in other words, they thought what they should say to this person and then they censored it. They said, well, this won't go over very well. So instead of saying that, I'll make it softer. So they did. I don't do that. I try sometimes. I try to make it softer. I try to find a way to say it softer, but I have been uncensored for so long. It's very difficult. I have said what I think what's on my mind for so long, it's difficult not to. It just comes out. And then later I think, well, you know, that, that's, I said what I said. That's, it's not that what I said isn't true. It's not that what I said isn't accurate. It's that the way people respond to it can be unpleasant. Needs <laughs> a <These> little honey. <laughs> yeah, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. <laughs> And I am not very good with sugar, so I don't use a lot of it. I had an espresso this morning, first time in like about a week. And I have a little tiny itty-bitty spoon, a little silver spoon, and it's a little little itty-bitty thing. A what? A salt spoon? Okay. A little salt spoon, and I use this little silver salt spoon to put sugar in this little cup. Of course, I have to use Sucanot because I won't use refined sugar. And so I use this little tiny salt spoon to put this sugar in the (sighs) cup, and I stir it, and, and that's what I do. Otherwise, for me, the espresso tastes like veneno. It tastes like poison. You know, it's it really, it's just like, oh, my God, I'm drinking poison. And I think it's actually true. I think we are actually drinking poison when we're drinking coffee. But, you know, whatever. I'm not going to make a thing about it because I don't care. I don't care. It's like, yeah, OK, I live in a poisonous world. Just in case you hadn't noticed, we're living in a toxic world. It's going to kill you. We you can count on from the world is it will kill you one way or another. It will kill you choose your poison. I choose a small cup of poison every morning, not every morning, but a small cup of poison in the morning. I add a little bit of sugar to make the poison go down. And then I take the benefits of the poison, which is snaps me out of my sleepy state and Okay, good to go. Uh, It's really bizarre when you think about to know this, but I have chosen this consciously. You can tell that I've chosen this consciously because I can tell you, yes, it's poison. There are people who will insist that it's not. I don't care. I know poison when it's in my body and it's poison. Alcohol is poison. I don't care what you say about it. It's poison. I know poison when it's in my body, but you do it. Yes, I do. Well, how do you justify that? I don't. I don't justify it. I have no desire to justify it. It's simply the truth. And what I do is I try and use moderation. Because in this world, when you breathe the air, you're breathing poison in with the good stuff. And you have to count on your body to separate the sheep from the goats and put the sheep over here and the goats over there. To separate your body, separate the wheat from the tares. And take the wheat, put it in your barns, and the tares bundled up, put them in the fire. That's why we eliminate after we eat. We eliminate... Most people don't eliminate after they eat. But if your body is working properly, you eliminate after you eat. That's the way it's supposed to work. Look at animals, that's the way it works with animals. And that's because they don't interfere with themselves the way we interfere with ourselves. How do we interfere with ourselves? We eat things that are constipating. Opiates are very constipating and we eat opiates. That's why we have an opium epidemic in the country today because we're fed synthetic opium and we get addicted to it, but it's very constipating. And so we don't eliminate when we eat until it becomes very uncomfortable. And then we have to take some kind of laxative or something to make us eliminate. It's just bizarre. Animals don't do that. They don't use synthetic pills. They eat what they can eat. They eat what they can find, and somehow they find what they need. Oh, look at him already playing with a phone. It's a smartphone. It's a smartphone, and now, his, now he's going to be dumb because he's going to let the phone. He's going to eat the phone, right? That's what they all do. They eat the phone. I don't see how we can get to know him or do good works in his service if we don't look to him and think about him, think about what we owe him. What can be the value of faith without works? Or of works which are not united with the merits of our Lord Jesus Christ? This is a very interesting thing. In Aristotle's ethics, he says it's how to lead a good life. And then he defines what a good life is. And not everyone agrees with Aristotle's definition of a good life. I do, but I'm generally not contentious. I generally am not interested in furthering my own agenda because of pride, because I have found that there's an agenda that transcends my agenda. That's it. There's an agenda that transcends my agenda, and that agenda is God's agenda, my creator's agenda, my creator's purpose for my existence, for the reason why he created me. When I become aware of that agenda, I put my agenda on the back burner. I don't abandon it, unless, of course, it's absolutely absurd. Then I do abandon it. If I see that it's ignorant, then I abandon it. For example, if I see that shooting up heroin is not beneficial, I abandon it. It's like, well, I'm not doing that. Anybody who has not shot up heroin, not injected themselves with heroin, made a decision somewhere along the line that they didn't want to do that that wasn't a good idea. And then there are other people who thought, Oh, I don't care whether it's a good idea and it feels good. I like it. It's what I got now and that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, there are people like that. How bizarre is that? His parents. The reason he's here is because his parents thought it was a better idea to shoot up heroin. They thought, what a great idea. I feel so good when I shoot up heroin. So he's born addicted to heroin. It's like, well, that worked out well. So he isn't with his mother and father now because it's not good for him. To be. He'd probably be dead now if he was with them. They would probably have gotten loaded up. Who knows what would have happened? to him and so society says well he must be protected it's our duty to protect him because he can't protect himself so like the leopard with the chimpanzee it's there it's instinctually there we know that it's the right thing to do we know that taking care of the weak the sick the invalid is the right thing to do we know that instinctually or intuitively we know that and some people do that and some people use their rationale their reason to not do that they have reasons to Not to do that. They justify not doing what they know is the right thing to do. And if they continue in that, they become people of bad character. Your character is what you live out of. That's what you live out of. You express your life out of your character. If you have a bad character, you will bear bad fruit. If you have a good character, you will bear good fruit. Unfortunately, not anybody that I know has a completely good character or a completely bad character. Some people with a bad character can do good things. Some people with a good character can do bad things. We're supposed to learn and eliminate the bad things. That's the obvious thing to do. How can the world possibly work with everybody doing bad things? It becomes a bad world. For example, look at our society. The purpose of law is to protect the weak, the innocent, the sick, the poor. It's to protect them. It's also to ensure that everyone else has life, liberty, and and can pursue happiness. And in the pursuit of happiness, there are certain things that are good and certain things that are bad. For example, stealing is a bad thing. Taking what doesn't belong to you, taking someone else's stuff is a bad thing. What makes it bad? It's bad because it's not yours. But what does it lead to? Well, it leads to violence. It leads to lying. It leads to falsity because it's a bad thing. It develops bad character. What God wants us to do is develop good character. What we wanna do is develop whatever will be the best for us right now, whatever feels good. And as we mature, we understand that there are some things that even though they feel good, they have to be put aside. And there are things that don't feel good, but if we want something, some goal, then we're willing to do the things that are not so good, that can be painful. We're willing to do those things so that we can have what we want. Example, people earn money. They go out and they work and they earn money. I've known people who get their paycheck on Friday and it's gone by Sunday night. It's gone. And they forgot to pay their bills because they went out to dinner. They went drinking. They went dancing. They did a the theater. They went and did this. They went and did that. And they didn't pay their bills. And then they come and they turn your electric off and they turn your water off and you get evicted and all these things happen because you're supposed to take care of those things. If you owe somebody something, it's justice. See, justice is giving people what is owed to them. Simple. If you are doing the right thing, then what's owed to you is respect what's owed to you is the thing that you, if you pay your rent, what's owed to you is you should live in this place. If you pay your water bill, what's owed to you is you get water. If you pay your light bill, what's owed to you is you get light. If you don't do that, what's owed to you is no light, no water, no place to live. That's justice. We messed around with justice. We said, "Oh well, yeah, I know that it's not right for somebody to just go ahead and take what isn't theirs, but it's okay because somebody else has something. It's okay for me to take your shoes if you have two pair because you have two pair and you can't wear them both at once. So it's okay for me to take your shoes." No, it's not. It's okay for me to ask you, "Hey, would you mind if I took your shoes?" It's okay. You can say yes or no. But to take your shoes is to take someone else's stuff. And that's wrong. And it doesn't lead to good things because people resent it when things are stolen from them. They resent being stolen from. They resent working for something, having it taken away from them and given to somebody who doesn't want to work, who won't work and who doesn't care about getting it the way that you got it. They want the other way. I want to just take it. Society won't work that way. It doesn't work. Now we're living in a society where a lot of people want to do that. And a lot of people, for their own agenda, because they want those people to vote for them, say, yeah, that's okay. Go ahead and do that. Here, let me help you. And then they help them. Because basically they're thieves themselves. Politicians are thieves or else they wouldn't support thievery. Politicians are liars or else they wouldn't support lying. It's just that simple. I wish it was some other way, but it's not some other way. So you are either a liar or a truth teller. Unfortunately, you're not totally either one. You halt along with two separate opinions. Well, sometimes it's okay to lie. Sometimes you have to tell the truth. Sometimes it's okay to lie. Sometimes you have to tell the truth. It just tells you what we think about the truth. Well, you know, I have to tell the truth. Well, to tell you the truth, well, to be perfectly honest. Have you, how many times have you said, well, to be honest, we have to prep somebody. I'm going to tell you the truth. I hate to have to tell you the truth, but I'm going to have to be honest with you. This is what I think, and this is what, and you're doing this wrong because we know people are not going to like that because of their pride so we try and soften it hedge it try and do something about it it's senseless in my opinion but whatever and what but such thoughts can arouse us to love this lord may it please his majesty to grant us to understand how much we cost him oh yes jess you have children three children rex you have three children yeah what is this with three children anyway How much did it cost you to raise those kids? (laughs) Well, it cost you this much money and you didn't keep count. But what did it cost you in other ways? Well, I had to give up a lot. You have to give up a lot. It cost you. We don't think how much we cost him. We only think, what can he do for us? I love John Kennedy's inaugural speech where he said, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. That is such a simple, profound truth. It's what Plato said. It's what Aristotle said. It's thousands of years old, and it's almost completely, utterly forgotten today. John Kennedy had to say it because it was being forgotten in 1960. Yes, 1960, it was being forgotten. It was so obscure at that time that he had to say it. Well, in 2020, you could say it till your lungs dry up. Nobody's listening. We want the government to do it for us. We want the country to do it for us. We don't want to do anything for the country. We want the country to do it for us. Of course, there's not everybody. Some people will defend their country. Although, how you defend your country in somebody else's country, fighting their enemies, it's questionable. I can see justifications for it, maybe. But it's not important enough for me to justify it. It's not that important. I have decisions to make and those decisions are passed. Am I going to go into the service or not going into the service? I go to I go, go to war and kill people for my country, my war was Vietnam. You're going to go to Vietnam and kill people who never did anything to you because someone else says they're bad. Probably, except that God saw it a different way. He said, well, no, you're not going to do that. And so he cut off access to that for me. I had to take an entirely different course, completely different direction. I was going in this direction, God went and I was going in that direction. How do you know it was God? I know, that's all I have to say. I know, well, can you prove it? To whom should I prove it? To you, because you don't believe in God. So I should prove to you? No, I don't see any profit in that how much we cost him, that the servant is not greater than his Lord, that we must needs work if we would enjoy his glory, and that for that reason, we must perforce pray, lest we enter continually into temptation. Jeez, that was the end of the second mansion. Now we have the third mansion, which there are two chapters, and it treats of the insecurity from which we cannot escape in this life of exile. However lofty a state we may reach, and of how good it is for us to walk in fear, this chapter contains several good points. There are two things. There's more than two things, but the two things that I want to talk about first are treats of the insecurity from which we cannot escape in this life of exile. People, you got to eat. Do you have any idea what a horrendous problem this is? You have to eat every day or a lot in a week. You got to eat. If you don't eat, you die. You get sick and you die. That's a tremendous inconvenience. It would be much better if you were like the baby. Yeah, you got to eat, but then well, don't worry about it because you got somebody to stick a bottle in your mouth. You know, you got somebody to stick a breast in your mouth and you can eat, but we're not babies. There comes a time when nobody's going to do that for you. You've got to do it for yourself. Even though the world, meaning governments of the world, found out that in order to get power, in order for them to have power, to remain in power, to exercise their power in a society where you're supposed to be self-governed, You have to get those people to vote for you. And they discovered that people will vote for them if they give them stuff. If I give you stuff, if I pay you to vote for me, you'll vote for me. And they did that. They pay. They would go around. This is really true. They would go around and they would pay people. They would go into bars and different places. They would pay people. Here, go down and vote. Go down and vote this way. And the people would do it. And that was how they did it. Now we have another way to do it. It's not as obvious because we saw that that wasn't a good thing, that that was dishonest, that that wasn't working. In other words, it was preying on people's weaknesses to manipulate them to do what was to our benefit in a big way and give them a crumb, that benefit. For example, take a a representative today, a congressional representative, congressman or congresswoman. They get paid a salary that the average person cannot fathom. Not just the salary. They get health care. They get this. They get that. They just so many benefits. I'm not saying that's wrong. But when you get to eat the crumbs that fall from your master's table and your master is now the congressman or the congresswoman, because they're making laws that govern your life, not theirs, but your life, they don't have to obey the laws. For example, Obamacare didn't apply to Congress Didn't apply to the Senate, didn't apply to the House of Representatives, it was for you, it was for all the other people. We made this law for you, but we're not gonna obey it. We're gonna have another law for us because we're above you, we're better than you, we're smarter than you, and we're elite. And you are stupid and you must be governed by us because we know better than you. So we deserve these benefits. Okay, how's that working? So we have this uh, insecurity from which we cannot escape in this life of exile. Exile. What does exile mean? Exile means we are not in our natural God-given state. What, was, what is that? Adam and Eve were put in the Garden of Eden. All they had to do was tend the garden. By all accounts, it was a pretty good gig. That's our natural state. That is the state that we were created to be in and we screwed it up. So now we've been given a way to get back to that state, but it's not gonna be easy. Well, but it should be easy. Why? Well, because everything easy is good. (laughs) Yeah. You know it's not true. You know that it's just not true. Everything easy isn't good. Self-restraint is a good thing. However lofty a state we may reach and of how good it is for us to walk in fear. She's not talking about fear the way we talk about fear. She's talking about respect, respect, re-viewing, re-seeing, re-looking at, looking at again, re, to do it again. To constantly be looking back to God, to constantly be looking back to the standard, the high standard that is set for us. To constantly be looking back and respecting it, looking at it and saying, Yes, this is the right way. Walk in this way. But it's hard. Suck it up. Just suck it up. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Nobody's saying it's not hard. Take up your cross and follow me, Jesus said. It's hard but you're doing it for the goal. You're doing it for the benefit of the goal. And then later you're doing it because it's the right thing to do. Because you begin to understand that this way is the way that the world can work in harmony, that the world can be beautiful again, that it doesn't have to be filled with the ugliness of murder and theft and rape and all of the thousands of sins that man has come up with. The imagination of man's heart is evil continually is no joke all of the thousands of things that people have come up with to abuse one another. The evil that men do. This is why we don't have history anymore because history is made up of the evil that men do. It's not made up of the good that they do. It's made up of the evil that they do. Oh yeah, sometimes we put alongside the evil, somebody doing something good. You look at the second world war, you look at Hitler and you go, that was evil. You look at Winston Churchill and you say, well, that was better. You could even say what he did was good. It just depends on your point of view. I don't know enough to be able to say one way or the other. That's nah, it's always time. I guess we'll pick up with, uh, I didn't even get to the, this chapter contains several good points. I guess this chapter is going to contain several good points. The next time we get together, they'll still be there.